Oh, hey, I, I didn't I didn't see you there. It's just me. Uh, it's Matt. I am uh, the producer of this show, and I'm here to tell you that uh, two things happened. One, uh, you know, uh, Lin- Lindsay's on TV, so she's she's doing she's doing things. She's busy, and uh, and uh, Allie's flying all over the country, making her stage shows and other projects happen. They're very exciting, and they're very uh, we're thrilled about all this stuff because it means the the stuff that that these gals have been working on for so long is is really is really popping, and uh, it's great for them. It were it's great for for our show, and it's great for you, uh, our listeners, because you get to uh, to hang out with them as they do cool stuff. So uh, that happened where we were having trouble uh, pinning Allie down for some recording. But but more importantly, uh, the guests that we have coming up, one of them had a family emergency right uh, leading up to our recording. Uh, and we're really excited about the episode that we're about to do with uh, with some fine folks. But we had to we had to move it. We had to shift it. So uh, the week has come and gone. And here I am to tell you, this encore episode is another one of our recent favorites. Uh, this is a year ago. This is one year ago, a little bit more, uh, where Lindsay was, uh, was part of the show. And this is our episode about geocachers, something that has fascinated us for a good long time. And uh, it was great to speak with uh, three fine folks who have been doing it for so long and make a podcast about it. And they have a website devoted to the community. Uh, Scott Burks, Chad Courtney, and Jesse Brown. Uh, They are the co-hosts of the Geocaching Podcast. And I loved everything about this conversation. Uh, I know Allie and Lindsay did some geocaching. They explored it. I definitely did. And here's, here's my takeaway. It's so fun and cool, but like... I I have two problems. One, I'm usually with my family or with my kids, so like I would I would end up like, oh, there's a there's a something hidden over here by these rocks, and the clue is leading us to this busy road where cars are zooming by us, and now I need to climb a tree and look in a you know under a rock, and it's like I, I can't I can't wrangle the kids and not look like a weirdo like that's my thing i'm like i'm i'm out here with with children climbing a tree in a broad daylight that's too weird for me so i got a little discouraged by sort of where things were were hidden with geocaching and i never found any uh and it's the greatest regret of my life but that doesn't make it any less cool and i really may my hat is off to uh the folks who do this because it is so much fun. It is literally a global scavenger hunt. And it was just nice to hear about this wholesome community. So we're sharing it with you again. If you have not listened to it, uh, it really is worth your time. It's it's a really lively, uh, fun conversation. And uh, we will be back with you next week with something pretty cool. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. So for now, this is episode 186, Geocachers from September 27th, 2021, a little over a year ago uh, where Lindsay was firmly, uh, this is one of Lindsay's earlier shows, but she was firmly in the saddle already when we when we kicked this off. So please enjoy, and we will be back with you next week. This week on Two Girls, One Podcast, what could possibly be more fun than finding a rusty Altoid box in the woods, hmm? 
Netflix, video games, collecting model trains, painstaking Civil War reenactments, needlepoint, uh, I think this was supposed to be rhetorical intro copy, and now here are the only two voices rejected from the auditions for Google Maps Navigation Lady. Lindsay Ford and Allison Goldberg. Hello, everybody. Hello, Welcome. Hello, hello. This is Two Girls One Podcast. I am Lindsay. I am Allie. And joining us, as always, is our lovely producer, Matt. Say hi to the people, Matt. Sup. Sup. <laughs> Okay, that was also me, and then Matt. <laughs> <laughs> How's everybody doing? Do you want me to go straight into an overshare? Oh, always. <laughs> okay, great. So I have, in this period of the pandemic, I have been getting out of my house a lot, which is kind of wild. But in the past three days, I hadn't left my house at all. And apparently I also did not shower. And then I was running late and went and met my friend Celia out. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I stink. That's how I'm doing. Girl, that didn't go anywhere. <laughs> I'm I'm stinky. I'm a stinky person is what's happening. You stinky bitch. I, I never stink. I don't like stink and I don't like my own stinkiness. I like to smell like a beautiful flower. Well, speaking of stinky, I went to a murderer's wedding. Oh, no. <laughs> I thought we weren't going to talk about it. I don't know. It. We probably shouldn't. I don't want to make a target of myself. You know what I mean? <laughs> <gasps> He's reformed, Allie. He doesn't I mean, take it out. Sure. Here's the dilemma. Okay, I believe in rehabilitation and reform, but on a Do on you? a on a typical Friday night, if I'm given the option to hang out with my friend and her husband who spent 25 years in prison, or Lindsay, I'm gonna choose <laughs> Lindsay. You know what I mean? It's just like, damn. Basically, what you're telling me is that. I am more fun to hang out with than someone who's been in prison for 25 years. 100%. Great. I didn't know there was any question about that. And I but feel okay. that's what I'm saying. <laughs> My point is, there's no question. You come with um, less baggage uh, and less threat of death. I. Well, I think I think honestly, I'm a high bar to live up to. Like, you're quite is you're he... quite short, Lindsay. Let's not <laughs> let's not pretend. So, but is he more fun to hang out with than maybe say like your cousin's college roommate who's in town and needs to crash on your couch? Yeah, my cousin's college friend is probably more interesting. Well, no, there not we more go. interesting. Not more interesting because spending 25 years in prison is interesting. I asked mm -hmm. a lot of questions, but mm -hmm. it's a pickle. It's a pickle. Anyway, I, I thought maybe I had some other stories, but that's it. Um, I'm doing a good oh, job. I went and yeah. saw yeah, 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 the yeah. thing that I went to with Celia was John Legend at the hall at the okay, Greek you theater. You really buried the lead. That was <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, it was good. Story... I went to see John Legend stinky. Why um, didn't you include <laughs> that in the story? That how he seems great okay here's the thing john legend is extremely cheesy 
and indulgently <laughs> corny and infinitely charismatic it. to the point where you're like, I actually do like this, even though I'm going to describe it to you and you're going to be like, that sounds whacktastic. Okay. So there were projections of like magical nature in the background it's like imagine lisa frank but for adults (laughs) great and everything is pink and blue and it is it is like liberace's summer home on this stage it was incredible (laughs) i hear it's not sold out and i should go see it we have a mutual friend who did their interior design for a while and she says very positive things about john legend Hmm. yeah and People have been saying that, like, oh, John Legend and Christy Cheegan's marriage is totally faked. And I'm like, <laughs> definitely they've not. been together since neither one of them was that famous. And I know because I don't know if I've brought this up before, meaning I've definitely brought this up before, but we sang at the same wedding, no big deal. Uh, what? Because Who's wedding? I was Stephen Haskins. And was, was there a murderer? Was there a murderer at this wedding? No, there were no that murderers. You know of. No, there was just. Like the only killing that was being done was with the fashion. Everybody looked amazed. <laughs> Slay. You know what's Whatever. crazy? We didn't even when say that back then because it was eight years ago. You know what's crazy ago. when you're at a murderer's wedding and you realize how much just normal conversation we have that relates to killing and doing time. Oh, interesting. Oh yeah, let's kill it. Slay. Oh, you murdered that look. It's so or like, violent. Oh, or like, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna kill you. Don't say that. Or like, someone give a speech and then was like kind of roasting her. And then he was like, guilty, guilty as charged. Lock me away. And I was like, oh, this is awkward. (laughs) But like what he said is exactly like what I would have said in any situation. You know what I mean? It's just like our normal language. You know what I mean? But it's like, if you recall, as as dramaturgs that you are, uh, this is a key plot point in 12 Angry Men or, or 12 Angry People, as we as we call it today. Uh, mm-hmm. the jury is like, oh, you know, oh, he said, I'm going to kill you. And then they get so heated that the jurors themselves say, I'm going to kill you because they disagree. And it's like, whoa, people say things that they don't mean. He must be innocent, <laughs> you know, like. And that is why that. it's 12 angry men. They yeah. <laughs> never realize the violence of their own language. <laughs> oh, man, enough about murder. So, um, enough about murder, our spinoff podcast. (laughs) (laughs) No one will listen to that. Speaking of looking for clues, okay, worst (laughs) segue ever. Today's topic is very exciting. We've had several listeners recommend it. Today's topic is geocaching. Very excited. Special thanks to Adam Dowd. Dusty Mentone, Chad, and Me Turks for suggesting this in our Discord, discord.gg slash 2G1P. My only experience with it is my ex ex. <laughs> he and his son used to do it together. Your ex ex is your current your current husband. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, fart knuckles. Definitely not. No, but my also two, your my ex's two ex previous could be, a, ex. could be a lady. No, she didn't say X is X. She said XX, meaning your ex ex boyfriend. Who is, yes, who language is, is challenging. I mean, yeah. the person that I broke up with before the person that I just broke up with. Got, yeah, right. Your right. penultimate breakup. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. My penultimate breakup. Go on. You like to geocache? Is that why you broke up with him? <laughs> no, no, okay, I broke okay. up with him because he wouldn't geocache with me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you see. <laughs> no, 
we we never geocached together, but he we like sometimes when we'd be on hikes, he'd be like, "Oh, this would be a great place to take my son geocaching," and I'm like, <laughs> "That's <cute>. okay." <laughs> Basically, from what I understand, which is not very much, is that you get coordinates to a location and oftentimes it's like off, slightly off of a trail or, you know, behind some, you know, unsuspecting sculpture in a city or just something not very obvious and you get coordinates to it to your phone and then you seek it out and there's little treasures you can find <laughs> in that location. And that's treasures. what I think I know about geocaching. Oh, I love it so much. I'm excited. <laughs> it's it's like a it's a global treasure hunt, scavenger hunt like Ali said. It's just so freaking cool. Yeah, I think it's mostly pretty wholesome too. Like Yeah, yeah. People do it as families and it's very cute. I'm very excited about this week's episode, but uh, we, we got to get this trivia out of the way. Speaking of geography, what is a geography cone? That's your question. <laughs> Wait, why'd That's she just die? That's so dumb. <laughs> Do you know what that is? No. Why okay. would you well, name I something have... a geography cone? I am ready. Is this it an... is here. Here we go. What is a geography cone? I have three choices. One of these is correct. Two of them I made up. A. The geography cone is a fictional island located at zero degrees longitude, zero degrees latitude in the South Atlantic Ocean. It's not a real place. It's a concept used by geographic information systems to identify bugs in GPS data. That is choice A. Choice B, the geography cone is a controversial model of Earth introduced in elementary school classrooms in the 1970s. The model did not claim that Earth was a cone, obviously, but that viewing a map of Earth in a cone shape represented the relative size of the continents more accurately while this was mathematically true school teachers of the time thought it would cause confusion for children and continued to teach the traditional globe model to this day that is choice b choice c a geography cone is a predatory aquatic snail it is the most venomous known snail and one of the most venomous living things on earth there is no known cure for its venom aside from just keeping patients alive. It's rare for the geography cone to kill humans. It has killed about three dozen humans in the last 300 years. That is choice C. Which of these is the geography cone? Well, it's not the snail. And let's talk about the language Matthew crafted around patience. That the only <laughs> cure is patience. <laughs> yes. So he just said... Okay. No, 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 no. The, the only cure is keep. We'll keep you alive until the venom is gone. Like there's no way to get the venom it's out. Pa is what pa I'm but saying. you said patience will keep you alive. But no, no. Pa <laughs> keeping patience alive. The, pa patience is a word for people who are in a in a hospital. I don't know if you. If you know that. Allie has this... such good health, she's never been a patient. <laughs> and also, saying... she's never spent time in a hospital because she is not patient. <laughs> I thought you were saying, like, this poetic way of, like, 
keeping your patience alive is yeah. the only way you'll survive <laughs> this. No. Keep your patience. It's really funny that you heard it that way. Until That's great. the venom is gone, you just need patience. And I was like, "That's I'll ridiculous." It. I'll take it. So, does this Honestly, change your Matt, perception of the? These are very of the creative. Choice? How is They're the creative geography and cone a snail? That doesn't make any sense. That's probably why it's the one. Um, but also, <laughs> there are a lot of big old debates about how to teach the continents. But the cone seems, I mean, it seems dumb enough that they probably tried it. <laughs> so you going, so you going with B? What was number one? I really liked that one. Well, there's no a. number one, but uh, letter A, a was uh, a fictional island at zero latitude, zero longitude used to debug <sighs> GPS data. Yeah, I love that. But I'm going with that I'm gonna one. Go I'm going with, going with A. Okay, good. All right. go with A. All right. I'll go with B. Baby A goes A. Lindsay goes with B. We will find out the correct answer after this brief commercial break. Speaking of treasure, the treasures of our heart are the people who contribute to our Patreon at the $10 or more level. You too could be one of these treasures by contributing to our Patreon at, what is it? Patreon.com slash 2G1P. Nailed it. Hey, yo. Guys, that's my first time saying it. <laughs> you did great. Okay. Thank you. Uh, I don't know what you're doing with treasures, but the, the Patreon you, you crushed. You don't hear people say it like that. It's I'm funny. a big fan of treasures, and I'm a big fan treasures. of people saying it purposely uh, that way. So please, please yeah. Treasures. Okay. To the little treasures of our hearts, now and always, Wesley Cordell. Oh, Jerry Duran, such a gem. Jessica a diamond in the rough. Kathy Phillips, you shine bright like a diamond. Matthew Scott, sweet little amethyst. <laughs> Melissa Elliott, you're a ruby. <laughs> William, you're a pearl. And Wesley, you are an emerald. We didn't say that at the beginning. Yeah, and Allison. Obviously. What is Allison? Shiny like gold. Know. Thank you. There you Allie, go. Allie Goldberg. You yeah. Okay. <laughs> Allison well, is gold. gold, shiny gold nugget. Thanks. And you're my little nugget, Lindsay. Anywho, you too <laughs> can visit patreon.com slash 2G1P. Thank you so much. How narcissistic do you have to be to, to pay $10 to support your own podcast so you can read your own name on your own show? All right. I want to really, be really clear that that's not what happened, but we don't have her last name. <laughs> and now a real advertisement entitled Breakup, Divorce, Wrecked Car, I will deliver your bad news in Alexandria, Virginia. From the number one source for all bad news, Craigslist. Basically, you'd hire me to break bad news to people that you don't have the balls to say yourself. You want to break up with your significant other? Hire me. Aunt Ethel's dead? Hire me. You're keeping the baby when your one-night stand wants you to have an abortion? Hire me. Place too many bets on the wrong horse and your bookie is after you because you haven't paid him? Well, handle that shit yourself. I'm not dying for you. Salary negotiable. 
Honestly, this Honestly, is what's wrong with society. Were you going to say something really? else? Really? Yeah, we need to learn to have difficult conversations again. Okay, you're right. I, I'm all I'm a fan of having actual difficult conversations with like people you're in long-term relationships with, like your friends, your family, your significant mm-hmm. others. But this service seems perfect for like telling that person you went out on two dates with from Hinge that you don't want to see them anymore. It's like if they it's can, a singing they can do the telegram. Call. That's what I want. I want a singing telegram for that. Sounds like they'd be willing to do that as long as yeah. they won't get hit. Or there's a business there for you. Get yeah. on Fiverr. No, and, I think uh, that's a great idea. You know, like she's not here. She's ready to ghost. You're not the one that she <laughs> likes the most. You know, I just think that there's a lot of possibilities she thinks you're great but this conversation won't be had in person goodbye (laughs) yeah so um cool 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 cool. trivia (laughs) trivia the the geography cone let it be beat let it be beat what is it is it a fictional island that helps uh geographic data that's what ali chose i like that one the uh, cone-shaped model uh, of the Earth, the map that, that was rejected. That seems so stupid. It has to be That's true. That's what Lindsay chose. Nobody's picking the snail. No, Matt. Don't let it be that snail. That's it doesn't dumb. make any sense. I don't like Why that. would you name a snail the a geographic... S- yeah, that doesn't make any sense. You would call it a geosnail. <laughs> <laughs> I like that geo is the part that got <laughs> kept. You wouldn't call it a geographic call cone. It poison cone. Yeah, Why is it a poison, poison snail or like snail. Watch out. You know what I mean? Like that's what you would call it. Mm, mm-hmm, like the mm-hmm. ouchie. Yeah. The ouchie. It's yeah, oops snail. It's very rare. You both are not in charge of naming uh, creatures on this planet Fuck Earth no. because the Conus no. geographus is one of the most venomous creatures Fuck on the planet. No. <laughs> And no. delivers a complex mix Sit of down, hundreds, what? hundreds of different toxins <laughs> oh via a God. harpoon tooth <laughs> really? when catching its prey. Oh my uh, God! Why is it called up, that? Is it because <laughs> of the tooth? No, it's, it's, it's a snail. I support my hysterical laughter at finding out this <laughs> title um, because it is equally stupid what it is. <laughs> so stupid. The name is so dumb. Konos Geographus. I'm putting my Konos foot down. Geographus. It's not real. Konos Interestingly, Geographus. Uh, the mo- this is like arguably the most venomous creature alive uh in the current uh Geography this current cone. world we live in and they live all over southern california right near really? los angeles what? no just kidding they live <laughs> in the like, coral that's gotta reefs, be an australian uh, snail yeah i thought australia too no the in, where the indian and pacific oceans meet that's where they are and they just they they hunt small fish all right i googled it and it's pretty cone like okay i hadn't really thought about that aspect of a snail and it's shell. I'm against this. I, I'm against this. <laughs> I'm anti-snail. I, I say no. Let's go to the interview. <laughs> <laughs> okay, everyone, we are so excited to have our guests today. They are the hosts of the Geocaching Podcast. Okay, so everyone, get ready because we are about to talk to Jesse Brown, Scott Burks, and Chad Courtney about just what is so 
fascinating and intriguing about geocaching. Welcome, you three. Oh, thank you. Hello. Thanks. Thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah. In quarantine, this is a regular party. Uh. <laughs> Six of us. It's crazy. It's wild. Can you tell our listeners what is geocaching? Go ahead, Scott. Oh, I'm never good at this. Jess, tell them what geocaching is. <laughs> uh, sure, I'll take that. So geocaching is worldwide scavenger hunt to find containers that are hidden. There are several million all over the world, and you use GPS coordinates and either an app on your cell phone or a GPS receiver to hunt and find containers. From what I understand, this isn't a, an actually a new phenomenon. It's it's pretty old, right? So yeah. how long have you all been doing it? Well, it's been around since 2000. May of 2000 is when the first geocache was hidden, but I've personally been doing it since uh, 2010. I started in 2011. And uh, this is Scott. I started in 2008. Oh, wow. Okay, so you've been doing it a long time. It sounds like something that is significantly easier to do with the onset of smartphones. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can mm -hmm. hardly imagine what people were doing in 2000 besides just wandering around lost. Now, even um, in 2008, uh, there wasn't an app for it yet. Uh, apps didn't exist. Yet. So I had to use a GPSR. You know, there was no app for it. So phones made it significantly easier. Yes, uh, the, app, the, the app for the iPhone came around in about 2009. So it made it significantly easier. But until then, I, I started with, uh, with literally with GPSR. Can we take it back a little bit in terms of the history? Let's learn. I heard that it started because GPS was invented for the military. And then people were like, whoa, we could do scavenger hunts with this. Is that a decent summary? Yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of, but uh, the reality, <laughs> GPS existed for probably in military applications. It actually kind of started in the 70s. It really got the satellites up to what we kind of know as GPS today in the 80s. By 1991, during the uh, during Desert Storm, GPS was being used heavily by the military. But the public only had limited access. They had what you call selective service, and it only had around 300 feet worth of accuracy at that time. So, uh, th And that was all the way up until May 2nd of 2000. That's what we call the big blue switch day. So, And that's uh, when they they flipped the switch to allow the civilian access to get to within about 30 feet of accuracy. And that, that is good enough for us to be able to kind of find caches in the woods. 300 feet would, would really be not be good enough. So it was the flipping of that big blue switch in May 2nd of 2000 in the very first geocache. And at the time it was called the Great Stash Hunt uh, was placed on May 3rd of 2000. Wow. Who placed it? <laughs> uh, Dave Ulmer was the name of the guy that placed it. Wow. Look you... with the history. Wow, look at that. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Getting that trivia out there. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> this is like the first technological innovation that I've heard of that like didn't come from porn. <laughs> I think that has more to do with your particular interests, Allie. No, girl. Oh. A lot a lot of technology comes from porn. Like um, mm -hmm. all the payment mm -hmm. processors. Yeah, I, yeah they're, they're all from porn. Streaming video. Yeah, streaming mm -hmm. video. VHS. Uh, Bill Clinton is the one who, who flipped the switch. Oh, yes. there we go. Yes. There we go. Okay. Oh, yes. wow. he, he was you. the one that signed the bill that, that caused the flipping of the switch. 
Oh. So maybe that has something to do with it. Wow, Scott, <laughs> way to make it relatable for Allie. That's really helpful. Full circle. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I like this train that we're on. I think that generally geocaching is very wholesome and something that people do as a family. But let's get to that later because I mm-hmm. know for a fact that there are like not safe for work caches. How do they separate that? <laughs> and I know they note it as like adults only. And have you ever found one? And what is in those adults only caches? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I haven't found any caches that were designed to be adults only, but I have. Well, new business idea. <laughs> I, I have found adults only content within caches. Okay. Yes. Like what? Um, <laughs> everything from condoms to uh, porn magazines. <gasps> that they Aren't they supposed to market adults only so that a poor little eight-year-old doesn't go and find it? No. The, no. The, we assume that the adults only items were not placed there by geocachers, but by other people who happen to stumble upon the caches. Sometimes what we call muggles. Uh, so those who do not <laughs> geocache. I will um, proudly own that title. That makes me not want to cache. Uh, so, so, well, muggles get turned into geocachers. Because you want to stay a muggle? Yeah. Well, I like being called a muggle, you know? All right. I mean, I guess I'd rather be magical, but go on. So, uh, so occasionally a muggle will stumble across a cache and we found everything from notes in there is like, what is this? This seems pretty cool. Some of them have turned into geocachers, but others will wind up destroying caches occasionally. Some will leave things in there that they think are funny, such as weed and other paraphernalia. So I I found a bong in, in one once. So. Wow. That's expensive. Yes. <laughs> I want to find that one. Save some cash. <laughs> they also make caches for nudists where you can uh, oh, yes. get naked. The clothing yeah. optional caches. Clothing optional mm. caches. They have those. Wait, well. go on. Like, talk more about clothing. Op- <laughs> yeah. Like, I feel like, one, isn't it always clothing optional if it's like a remote cache? Like, you can <laughs> park and be like, I'm going to go find this cache in the buff. But usually the clothing optional ones are on someone's private property. Um, that's that they have this, you know, a huge lot of land. Mm. Um, and so, you know, you're not going to be spotted. Right. Except for by the person who owns the land. So it's kind of a lecherous situation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this sounds like a straight up excellent horror movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So are there caches that only have cash inside? So it's a cash cache. Uh, no, there are caches that have swag, what we call swag inside, which are things like uh, small toys, keychains, trinkets, uh, those types of things that you're supposed uh, to trade up. So you give something of equal or better, better value for the item that's in there. And kids enjoy that. So getting getting the swag out of there, especially the small toys and trinkets and that kind of stuff. Right. I only found out through researching geocaching that swag stood for stuff we all get. Yes. I didn't know that till this yeah. moment. You, yeah, you're it's welcome. not stupid wild ass guess. But you said that it has to level up. So does that mean we want to be like the 50th person to find the cash? Because the idea is you take something, leave something, right? Yes, take something, leave something. But uh, it's it's not everyone does it. So, uh, (laughs) for example, I don't trade swag. Or I should say I uh, seldomly trade swag. It's like one time I found a USB-C cable in one and was like, okay, I got to go get something for my backpack to put in there. That's good enough for this. USB-C cable uh, that I'm getting out of it. But normally it's like kids' trinkets and that kind of stuff. It, it 
doesn't interest me that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mostly for this. It's mostly for the younger kids. You know, um, right. I used to take my son caching. That they would want to find the big caches because those are the ones. You know, there's different size geocaches, and they want to find the larger ones because those are the ones you usually had the toys and stuff like that in it. Whereas the smaller ones really just had a logbook that you signed, and that was about. It. So you were talking about cash in caches, the C-A-S-H and, and, and the C-A-C-H-E-S's. Mm-hmm. So occasionally you will have first to find prizes in caches. Uh, some of it as $2 bills tends to be a, a common theme, putting those in there because you know, it's kind of cute to get a $2 bill. But you'll have everything from unactivated uh, geocoins, and we'll probably get into geocoins to a bit, all the way up to GPS units worth several hundred dollars, which I think, Scott, you found a gps once right as an ftf i've ftf i've gotten a digital camera once wow i've gotten gps i've gotten 20 dollars. i've once won 20 i've gotten like movie tickets i've gotten hockey tickets that's so fun well scott you're kind of an ftf hunter aren't you i mean i feel like first to find is a particular badge that people like to get yeah i, I used to be mm. uh I, I i had a uh, an ftf a month streak for over 10 years <laughs> Um, at least one, at least one a month for ten years, ten plus years. Wow! It ended up got about a, about a year ago. I think it ended. Now I don't, I don't hunt much unless it's really close to home. I don't uh, do it much. But yeah, it's it's uh, for for a lot of people that is like the thing to do. I have a friend Adam who only hunts FDFs. That's it. Um, so there's stuff like that, you know, and then that's how they play the game. But yeah, it's it's FTF is a for a lot of people it's it's a big thing to get. It's it's a badge of honor. Yes. But that being said, it, it means nothing. It's no stat in geocaching. Geocaching is like baseball. It's all stat based. You know, how many finds you have, what you found, etc. FTF is not a is not a trackable stat. Oh. It's not a trackable stat, but you know if you're the first to find it because the cache was decked out. Yeah, because you log your there's a log, there's a piece of paper inside that you sign. And uh, the first person to sign it at the top of the piece of paper, that's the FDF. That's the first. So let's take it back a little bit for our listeners who are probably like, what the fuck is a geocache and how do I (laughs) like what is going on? So something I find very interesting about geocaching is how it has developed alongside technology in a simple way. So it sounds like we had big blue switch day. Thanks, Bill Clinton. And then GPS became more specific and available to general consumers. I don't know if that's an accurate way to summarize it, but we didn't have smartphones yet. So I I heard that people were using like topographical maps because they would like know kind of where the location was, but they wouldn't know if like there was a river or a mountain. So Mm -hmm. can you talk about like how geocaching worked back in the day and how it's evolved? Oh, wow. If you imagine back in 2000 and stuff, I mean, we were just getting maps online and that kind of stuff. And they were kind of road maps. They really didn't have satellite views and those type of things. So, yeah, people were getting topographical maps and that kind of stuff to try to figure out how to how to actually get to the caches. They might be able to pull up the coordinates online and then, and then print out a map of the area, but it didn't necessarily show you the terrain and that type of thing to get to. It. And, and they, we didn't have navigation to or good navigation tools to navigate you uh, to the cache. So it was like point and shoot. I mean, uh, so it was, and there were a lot fewer caches at that time as well. Uh, so getting to a few at, in a day was would have been a challenge. While today we can get to, you know, something like 10 to 20 is a good day. Uh, 100 is a great day. It's possible to get to a thousand caches in a single day doing the ET highway or, or some power trail like that. 
back in 2008, pre-app days, before I had a GPS, what I would do is literally punch coordinates into my my Apple Maps. They wouldn't even call it Apple Maps. It was just like a map. I was the blue dot and, and the geocache was the red dot. And I would literally just match the blue dot to the red dot. And that's how I would search. And that's how I would get there way before the app. It was rudimentary, but it got the job done. How did you even find out about it in 2008? I, I read about it in a magazine in 2003. And I thought, wow, thinking about geocaching, it's, it's either you get it or you don't. Your listeners are going to be are either going to be like, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. I have to try that. They're going to be like, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. Why would somebody do that? And usually it's one way or the other. That's usually the way it works. Right. And so I read about it and I'm like, that's really cool. I really want to try this. This is like 2003 before the iPhone. And so I looked online to see how much GPSR was and they were like $800. I'm like, well, I'm not buying that for $800. So I just let it go. Cut to 2008. I just got the iPhone 3 and the iPhone 3 is the first phone that had the GPSR, the GPS on it. And so I was actually reading, I was online reading, you know, some Mac website saying you can now geocache with the iPhone. And so I, I went to geocaching.com and I created an account and I tried it and I'm doing it every single day since then. Wow. Basically. That's incredible. And back in the day, you would like go on the website and print out the sheet that had all the information about it, right. your hints and previous people's logs that they, you know, the things that they had written about it and their experiences, because you, we didn't have that to take with us on our phone. You could, it wasn't mobile. It was only available on the website. Totally reminds me of MapQuest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and Jesse, Jesse, how did you start? I actually had a family member who told me about it and gifted me this old GPSR that you couldn't even preload anything into. You manually had to like click, 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 click to put the coordinates into it. It was ridiculous. It took forever. Um, and I actually found probably like 25 caches that way. And then I finally was like, okay, I'm going to spend money on this app. And so I downloaded the app. It was like 10 bucks at the time, which now you can get a starter app for free. And, and that was it. Okay. We've heard a lot about apps and websites nowadays. Where, where would people go to find these? Like, what are the best geocaching websites? I know yeah. there's one main one, right? Geocache.com or something, right? Geocaching.com. Yeah, that's, that's the main one. And that's kind of the only one that counts, uh, to be honest. <laughs> I, I would agree. <laughs> there are some others that are out there, but they don't get the traffic. Although some of us do still play in the other realms as well. Um, but uh, only geocaching.com really counts uh, in, in the real world. If you if you look at the look at any type of statistical data, I mean, you're talking tenths of a percent may hit the other websites. Okay, right. This was my big question. It sounds like the community has coalesced or agreed upon a single app or site because, like, you can't play Pokemon Go unless you're playing Pokemon Go. So, like, the right. the things won't show right. up unless everyone agrees to use the same app. And so my additional question on top of Lindsay's there is like, who owns this platform? So so geocaching.com is literally, they used to be known as Groundspeak Inc., but now they're officially rebranded re as geocaching.com. So the people that developed that back in 2000, uh, they they own own that. They have APIs for, for developers to develop the apps. Okay. Mm -hmm. They have their own app, but other people can also develop apps and use it on there. 
So the best one for iPhone, for example, is Cashly, that's C-A-C-H-L-Y.com. And the best one for Android is called C-G-E-O. But they're all using the same data. Yeah, they all link to geocaching.com, but they also might link to the other websites as well. Oh, okay. But uh, geocaching.com, again, is the primary. Yeah, you could download the geocaching app from geocaching.com. It's free. Yes. And you could literally go out and go find a cache today. Doing it now, and there's 4,395 geocaches around Santa Monica. When are you free, Lindsay? Looking at the same. That is wild. What's the closest one to you? Uh, I, I'm not there yet. It's still downloading, but it like immediately told me my location and how many there are around me. So it's actually a lot easier than Pokemon Go. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually surprised there's over 4,000 just in Santa Monica. That means there's probably one outside my door. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you don't have to. Spend Spin the ball and flick your finger in the, in the correct <laughs> angle in order to in order to get it. So mm-hmm. that's good. Exactly. Geocaching is so unique because it has like a definite online component, right? Like mm-hmm. you have the app. Mm-hmm. There's an online log. It also has a definite real world component where you have to literally go somewhere and find it. Right. There's a physical log as well. Mm-hmm. And that's so cool. And I'm wondering, like, what kinds of weirdos are drawn to this specific setup? (laughs) Well, and and it's it's not just that, because there's all different kinds of cache types as well. So what we've been talking about mostly is just the traditional geocache. There's unknowns or puzzles. There's lab caches, events, virtuals, where it goes, earth caches, multis, letterboxes, CEDOs, mega events, etc. What the hell did you just say? I know, right? Now I'm like, ooh. Ooh, what? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's all different kinds of geocaches. Yeah, there's all different. There's something for everybody. I mean, exactly. truly, it sounds exactly. like that. Like there's a, like a puzzle geocache is one where you have, you have to figure out the puzzle to get the coordinates, mm. uh, whether it be other kind of puzzles. There's a multi-cache where it's going to take you to different places. So if you go to this place, it gives you cords to go someplace else. You got to go to those cords and then you get to the final. Oh, I love it. There's a virtual where there's not really, there's nothing there. There, you know, there's nothing to find. It's a virtual can be at like um, it's a place of interest more than anything else. So it might take you to some historic place, and you got to find some specific piece of information there at that historic site in order to uh, prove to the owner of the virtual that yes, you did indeed uh, visit it. Plus, most people take a picture of themselves at the virtual and and post that with their log. That was my question. How do you close the loop? How how do you prove to the community or the hider? that it is this is found i got it on to the next one well you put your name on the log but and then does that delete it for the ones i have logs yes how does it get deleted from the world or what are the mechanics like the game mechanics of like it sounds like i signed the log and then you put it back and then other people can find it or no exactly what if it's for keeps and then it's like i got it and then how does it get erased the user has to the Mm -hmm. the hider has to erase it so that other people are not searching for a a found item so it's not for keeps so it's not finders keep Right. Okay. Don't don't take it with you. Put yes. it back. Please put it back. Okay. <laughs> is that an unspoken rule or is that like the rules of how this all works? That is the rule. Got it. It's the explicit. Oh, yeah, put it back. Okay. Because if you take it, then nobody else can find it. And you're an asshole. I didn't understand <laughs> if there was like an evolving ecosystem of hi- of hiding things or if it's like this is where it is and lots of people can find the one thing. Well, there are things that you can take. 
Besides swag, there are things that you can take. So there's mm-hmm. uh, what we call trackables in there. So people will, they have geocoins and, and other trackable items that uh, you basically, you get a tracking number that's associated with it that can be logged. And so you drop that into cash. You usually has has a mission on the, on the webpage uh, for it to go and, and do things. Some of them are races. We got tra- uh, travel bugs that are in races right now. Mm-hmm. You drop those in the cash and and then someone picks it up when they see that trackable uh, thing on there says track me at geocaching.com and they put that in there on geocaching.com and then they can, they can log it so they can discover it they can pick it up they can move it to another cache they shouldn't keep it although some people do keep it so <laughs> geocoins have pretty much became non-existent in caches now because people were keeping the geocoins. Just to give you an example, so I had a, I had what's called the travel bug and I attached something to the travel bug and usually give that a mission uh, to go somewhere. Like I wanted, I have a friend in England and I'm like, you know what? I want this travel bug to get to my friend in Nottingham, England. And so that's what I made the mission. It took two and a half years but my friend finally got the travel bug in his hands. I love that because like multiple people carried it from one place to the next place to the next place. Right, from one to the other to the other. Yeah. And now its mission is to get back to me. That's that, that that's its new mission. And so it's been, it's about two years. I think it's still in England. It hasn't made it back over the pond yet. That's so fun. I freaking love this. It's cool when that happens, when you can actually, it hits its mission. But then I imagine like things go wrong and things get lost and someone mm-hmm. drops the ball. Oh, and they get lost all, all, the, okay. all the time. Yeah, all the time. Or it winds up in Germany. <laughs> or it winds up in Germany where, where trackables go to die. Exactly. Oh, or it yes. winds up in someone's garage sale. Well, they don't go to die. They they, they just never escape. Wow. <laughs> Same with my people. Things got dark. Oh, no. Oh, no. Wait, wait. But why? Wait, why? What's happening? Why? Is there a GPS slack out there? Yeah. Why, why do they not? What's wrong in Germany? I thought Germany had moved on from this. You know, they were doing well. No. no. So, so uh, Germans are probably the biggest caching community outside the U.S. And by percentage of people, definitely the biggest percentage of uh, populace as geocachers in the world. And they they love geocaching. But this, when a trackable gets there, they love moving them around in general. But they just don't seem to make it back out of the country for some reason. <laughs> Wait, but you <laughs> don't. This is like known, but. You you don't know why? Don't don't know exactly why. So <laughs> no, we don't know why. But Ger- that's where trackables go to die. Maybe exactly. Germans never leave Germany. They just don't travel. No, they do travel. They travel to get them. You, you see them okay. at mega events all the time. Have you ever met a German, Matt? They <laughs> <laughs> That's like I've never met one. They must not ever leave. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen, none of us have left our house in a long time, so it's a fair question. (laughs) Well, speaking of meeting people, can you tell me a little bit about the Cash Bash? What is it? And who do you meet there? So the Cash Bash is just one of many, many what's called a mega event. So part of geocaching, a a certain type of cash, you can add one to your find count, quote unquote, are events. And there's all different kinds of events. There's small local events, and there are what's called mega events, and there's even what's called giga events, which are even bigger than mega events. And so a mega event is, what are the numbers, guys? 500? 1,000? 500. 500. More than 500 people attending this event. And they're usually held like over a weekend. It's a destination. People come from all over. They all kind of have a different theme. They all have a different feel. Some of them are really all about socializing. Some of them are contests where you see how many you can find. And some are more just about like 
power trails. Puzzles. Yeah, some of them are all about solving puzzles. Some of them have parades. Two, two weeks, I'm going to going caching, which is which is totally puzzle oriented. <laughs> and they're all over. They're all over the world. And so Cash Bash is just one of the mega events that that people go to. Some of them are geocoin related, like geocoin fest that happens every year. Wait, what's a geocoin? Did we already cover this and I'm losing my mind? No, I don't think we like explained what it is. Okay. What is it? <laughs> so are you are you familiar with challenge coins? Can't nope. say so they're about maybe two, two and a half inches in diameter in general. And they got various different designs on them. Uh, typically, then they'll have a trackable code on there. So they're not limited to being that size, but that's kind of like the default size. Uh, I've got geocoins that literally four inches in diameter. I've got them that are in the shape of a bottle. Um shape of a pyramid so you know they're not necessarily limited to that but but you know they tend to be big hefty and probably cost somewhere in the neighborhood of five to fifteen dollars to manufacture and typically cost someone about ten to thirty dollars to purchase there's something that if you're putting them out in, in the wild you really don't want to, them to disappear because someone wanted to keep it for themselves mm, okay <laughs> Which happens a lot. So a lot of us buy them and we collect them. We put them up in our shadow boxes and, and other things. So I've got probably close to 200 of them. So I, I, I love geocoins. I think Jesse loves geocoins as well. I do. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're just a collectible and they're trackable. Nice. So just like those, the, the travel bugs that travel around, geocoins were intended to be the same way, but they ended up, people ended up keeping them. And so most people don't let them travel. Yeah, it's rare. Well, a travel bug costs you about four bucks for the for the for the tag, which has a tracking number, and then whatever you stick on it. So that's something that you only toss four bucks on it, as opposed to spending twenty, thirty dollars on something. So think of yeah. it this way: Do you guys remember that old um, game, Where's George? I know Where's Waldo. <laughs> Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? <laughs> <laughs> no, Where's George was like a website back in the nineties where you could track dollar bills based right. on their serial number. Oh, yes, oh. yes, yes. And you could track where where oh, it cool. went. So like trackables or travel bugs and geocoins are sort of the same concept. They all have an, a number and you can track where they go. But if people just collect them, don't they just sit in people's houses? Yeah, now they do. Yes, which is why they, they go missing. Yeah. Which is why we don't put out geocoins anymore because they went missing. Someone else <laughs> has them. They're, they get to look at them, but you don't see it moving across a map anymore. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so now it's become just a collector's item. Right. And sometimes they show up years later. I had somebody say, yes. oh, I bought this at a garage sale. I think it belongs to you. And it was an old trackable of mine that had been missing for like four years. Oh, oh my wow. gosh. Wow. That's so cool. Well, I want to know from each one of you what the best cash you've ever found is. Oh, gosh. Ooh. Or one of the best. I know it's hard to choose, but like... We did a show on that a couple weeks ago. Can I piggyback and say, or the most fun to find? Okay. okay. I think those are different questions, like fully. Right, they are. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to know my, my question first. <laughs> What's the best cash that you think you've ever found? 
I'm going to go with uh, View Karu, which uh, it's, it was in uh, New Orleans. It's actually a multi-cache. There's a, the tallest building in New Orleans uh, is where the first uh, location of, the, of that multi is. And then you're supposed to go inside and talk to the lady at the desk, trying to convince her to get someone to come down to help you with this cache. And after some a lot of bantering, you 10, 15 minutes of bantering around. She's acting like she doesn't know what's going on. You know she knows what's going on. She knows <laughs> that you know what's going on, but you know, you gotta banter, gotta, gotta play it up. And then finally the building manager comes comes down. He takes you up to the top floor, top inside floor, and you get you get off the elevator and you go up and you you walk up another set of stairs. And you go through a room that is labeled on there, hazardous, do not enter, da, 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 da. <gasps> he takes you in there without without even <laughs> considering anything like that, telling you, you know, don't touch anything. And you got a couple of treasure boxes there full of swag and stuff and, and, and uh, tra- trackables. And then, oh, that's kind of cool. And then he yeah. takes you outside onto the roof and proceeds for two hours to give you a tour of New Orleans <gasps> from the skyline pointing out everything in the history of everything for two solid hours. <laughs> it was probably one of the, the best geocaches I've ever experienced. Wow, that's amazing. Yes. Honestly, this reminds me of Burning Man just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my favorite is a cache called Vampire Empire. It's here in, in Chicago. Do you know what a Pedway is? Absolutely not. You guys are asking so many things and both of us are like, no. I love it. I love it. Well, neither did I. Don't worry. I had no okay. idea. I've lived, I have lived here in Chicagoland since like the late 80s, and I had no idea that this even existed. There is a city underneath the city in Chicago. <gasps> Ooh. Wait, what? I knew that was true in Seattle. <laughs> and Paris. So this this cache is called Vampire Empire, and it's a it's a kind of cache that's called a letterbox, and it's based on the old letterboxing where you are given directions of where to go, how far to walk forward, turn left, turn right, when you see this, you know, those kinds of directions. And it takes you on a tour of the Chicago Pedway underneath. You go in through the Macy's department store, um, <laughs> through like a back exit and you go down you go through like you pass the subway you go through all these hallways and all of the big huge buildings in chicago are actually interconnected underground so like you could live in the city there's daycares under there there's dry cleaners there's restaurants there's like anything and everything you could possibly need hotels and then you eventually make your way through and you come out like over by the river and it takes you to the final where the container is hidden and you uh you sign it it take it took us a couple hours to go through but it was it was awesome it was so much fun and i would in a heartbeat do it again wow that's amazing i want to do that one yeah it sounds like some of the best caches are experiences that you kind of discover through the planning of the cache hider which is amazing oh absolutely yes. my my favorite one i did um was a challenge cache uh it was called zipping up chicago the 606 challenge, which is basically you had to find one cache in each zip code of, of the city of Chicago. Uh, the city of Chicago has, I think, 86 zip codes. Wow. So I had to find a, a geocache in every single zip code. Now, the funny part is, I guess not so funny, is that Chicago has some pretty bad neighborhoods. <laughs> the time to hit the bad ones, we figured, was Christmas Day. Mm. So Christmas Day at five in the, uh, 530 in the morning, we're in this area you have no business being in in Chicago, especially uh, you know people of our stature and our 
a race <laughs> um, uh, being in that neighborhood. Uh, but we figured Christmas Day was the best time, and it was. We got in and out as fast as we could, and uh, that was just a, a really, really cool experience. Just I saw the whole city. You know, eventually it took a, a couple of couple of years to do, but I saw I, I've I've been every part of Chicago. Have you been back to any of those parts? Never, <laughs> never again. <laughs> and you know, it, it's funny because you know you're in a bad neighborhood in Chicago because suddenly there's no geocaches around. Mm. Right? There's one. Just so somebody could finish this challenge, there's one geocache in that mm. area. So you could always tell you're in a bad part of Chicago when there's no geocaches around. Unlike Santa Monica, you, you can you can say that about. About any city, pretty 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 <laughs> yeah. much. You kind of look where there isn't a bunch of geocaches uh, in in a, in a neighborhood, an area, and you know that's the bad neighborhood. It's going to be a little more dangerous. <laughs> you you kind of hit it really right on the head there, where experiences is what it is. And you know, uh, Jesse's my wife. I don't know if you guys knew that. Uh, I did know that. Nice work. I did know that. And so we travel and we find caches. And you know, we just took a trip. You know, just last weekend we took a we took a trip. A uh, thirty six hours. We went to five states. Oh my gosh. Wait, 36 hours, five states? Five big states, not like New England. That's too many states for that many hours. Like Texas, right? We we flew in it we flew in it into Salt Lake City, Utah, and then we drove straight to Nevada, and then we came back and we drove straight to Wyoming, and then we came back and we went to bed. We woke up, drove through Idaho, we got Idaho, and then we drove into Montana and we got caches in Montana. Why did you decide to only do this in 36 hours? We need to sidebar on that later. I think that you could have taken more time. So I, I, have a, I have a question. How do people maintain their caches? So for instance, mm-hmm. you know, I might have looked up that like around the corner for me in Santa Monica, there's one and it's like in an Altoid box in like a lavender bush. So someone could easily be like, mm-hmm. oh, someone left their trash. I need to throw it out. So how do people maintain their own caches? It does happen all the time. You, when when you log it online, you log a found it log, uh, but you can also log a did not find okay. log, and you could say, "Hey, you know what? It's not here." You know, and and as and as the cash owner, usually it depends. If somebody only has like ten finds, you're going to be like, "No, nah, okay, maybe they didn't find it." But if somebody has a couple thousand finds, you're like, "Okay, they should be able to find this." So it really depends on the on the finder. Um, but you'll go look and go see if it's there. Sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. And if it's not, you replace it or you archive it. It's your choice. And there's a way to mark if it's like damaged as well. You can report that through the app as well. Yes. Well, I think that that the question that Ali asked, what were some of the most beautiful to get to experiences? And I'm imagining something on this 36 hour five state thing might make the list. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, when we hit Wyoming, which in my mind probably was the most beautiful area of our trip, it was nighttime. So we didn't get to actually see that. But for me, probably my favorite location that we went to, Scott and I took a trip years ago, probably, I don't know, 2013, maybe 2014. We took a trip out east and a couple of the caches that we found were along the um, along the Appalachian Trail. Mm. There's a, yes. a place where the road and the Appalachian Trail are like parallel right next to each other, way up high on a mountain ridge. And so when we stopped, we found the caches and I, we both just stood there looking out over the hills. It was fall, you know, it was like October. So we had the fall colors and it was just, it was beautiful. It was spectacular. And like, to me, it's those experiences. That's why I continue to cache because it takes you to those kinds of magical places. It can also take you to, you know, the dump and the parking lot in front of Walmart, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's those moments that, that just keep you going. Yeah. And f- for me, it's, I love when Jesse and I are in the middle of nowhere. If you look at my Instagram feed, whenever I have a hashtag middle of nowhere, it's basically me and Jesse just literally in the middle of nowhere, whether it be a road with nothing 
nothing around or in the woods with not another soul around. Those are my favorite experiences to do that, to, to literally get away from just everybody and, and everything and just be in the hashtag middle of nowhere. That's one of my favorite places. So do you leave your kids as well? Most people get hobbies to get away from their kids, but yeah, absolutely. geocaching seems so kid friendly that they'll be like, take us with you. Oh. Uh, it depends on the kid. It depends on the kid and, and, and what their age is. So mm -hmm. my son was really into yes. it when he was, you know, nine, 10, uh, 11 years old. By the time he got to 12 years old, it was, uh, if it, it doesn't involve him climbing a tree, he's not interested. It sounds like this could easily involve climbing a tree. Oh, it does. Right. It oh, uh, definitely does. But, but after that <laughs> point, so when he got about 13, it was like, I don't want anything to do with caching ever again. And he's 19 now. So he'll get back into it later. Oh, definitely. About the only time I get to do it is like on family vacations. And then I can't do the traditionals and those types of things. It's more of the virtuals and earth caches where I'm kind of gathering information. So, mm -hmm. but it's usually a unique site like uh, Yellowstone, for example. This was uh, a trip a few years ago. Uh, my wife and son, they don't geocache, so they're not really interested in it. But, you know, they wanted to go to Yellowstone. We went there and I found a bunch of different things and I would take him, start taking him down these back routes in, in, into different things. It's like instead of just going to see Old Faithful and a few of the other more popular things, taking him down these back roads, uh, the Firehole Falls and those type of things. And there's like, well, where are you going? Where are we going? And it's like, well, you'll see. And getting there and it's like these hidden gems within Yellowstone. It was just amazing. They really can take you to a lot of amazing and interesting places. Yeah. And that's one of the amazing things about it is that like, you know, you go to a different city and you look for, oh, we have something called favorite points where, you know, people can give a cache a favorite point. And if you search for high favorite pointed caches, they're going to take you to pretty amazing things because that's what, as a cacher, when you hide a, a geocache, you want, you want somebody to go to it. Right. So you're going to take and you, you want somebody to see something really cool. I, I once found this amazing structure in the middle of the woods that it was like a homeless man's structure. I don't, I think it, it hadn't been used in years, but this guy built this uh, basically a house <laughs> out of sticks. And I'm like, people need to see this, but it's literally in the middle of nowhere and it's deep in the woods. So I hit a cat, I hit a geocache and said, you know, I had a couple hundred feet away and I said, you know, check out what's 200 feet to the north in, in, in the description of the cache, just so people can see this and see this amazing thing that this guy built. This in that aspect, you know, you, you see some really cool things because people take you. It's kind of like, it's an, it's an off the grid tour guide uh, of seeing cool things in a city. They you wouldn't normally see. I a little bit want to know, are there some famous cashers who are known to hide in good locations or to hide great items? Definitely. Definitely. Mm. Uh, West Virginia Tim is known for his puzzle <laughs> caches. Mm -hmm. uh, there's Bounce Bounce for his mm -hmm. puzzle caches. I mean, there, so there's, there's a whole bunch of them, different parts of the, of the U.S. Uh, definitely some awesome hiders out there. Have you guys followed any big cashers and then realized, oh shit, it's John Travolta. <laughs> mm. no, there are, there are right. famous people who geocache. They, they... Uh, who's the guy that played uh, Werewolf? Um, Hugh, Hugh Jackman. Jackman. Hugh Jackman <laughs> geocaches? He sings, yes. he dances, he caches. I love He's him. a huge geocacher. Huge, oh. huge Jackman. <laughs> oh. Nice, Matt. Good job with the dad <laughs> joke. Tell us more about the, the cache creation process because like I'm sure uh, Ali and Lindsay, I'm, I'm in the app and I'm excited to uh, to explore, but like 
I don't see a, a clear way to create my own cash. So it's a two-part question. What is that process? What's your thought process when you create one? And also, obviously, most caches are going to be in public places, you know, uh, sidewalk areas and public parks. But like, if I put one in my backyard... Mm -hmm. Should I expect visitors? Like, what, 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 what's going on there? Yes. Yeah, don't shoot when there's a stranger in your backyard. You did it. Yeah. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. I actually. Yeah. Yeah. That's another story. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Jesse and I actually have one on our front porch, and it's called "Get Off My Porch." <laughs> <laughs> kind of a giveaway. <laughs> you have to create a cache online uh, on the website. I, can you do one from the app? I've never done it from the oh, app. You can't weird. do it from the app. You have to go to geocaching.com. Wouldn't it need to know your location? So wouldn't yes. You you take coordinates at your location. Okay. that you want to hide a cache. So you would actually take coordinates and then you would punch the coordinates into the, when, when you're creating a cache, you would punch the coordinates in. And then you also have um, attributes that you can add to it as well. Attributes would be like, um, it's a it's a micro or it's it's in front of a house or it's up a tree, stuff like that, different attributes to help the finder. You also have a rating system, difficulty and terrain. And that's, and that's star-based out of five. So if it's hidden in plain sight and it's really hard to find, you'd rate it a, a four difficulty. But if you know, you're just walking on a sidewalk, it's mm -hmm. a one and a half terrain. But if you're climbing a tree, it might be a three and a half terrain. So you can kind of tell what you're in for by the difficulty terrain. If it's a difficulty two and a half and a terrain four and a half, you know, okay, I'm probably climbing a tree. And, 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 and the cord's taken to the tree. Obviously, mm -hmm. you're going to climb the tree because mm -hmm. it's, it's a terrain four. And, and that's created by the hider. And then so I, I yes. hide something and I punch in the coordinates and I set all the parameters of like, here's a clue, here's the difficulty. And then I'm mm -hmm. just living my life. And then mm -hmm. one day, beep, boop, I get a picture with a photo saying I found it or a message, right? You'll right. Get, no, you'll get an email. You'll get an email saying, you know, there's no photo okay. unless somebody takes a photo. No, 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 of course. Of course. But I, it, that, it sounds like that's part of the culture, maybe. You'll just get an email saying, yeah. Taz found your cash. You know, that's so fun. Yeah. And you'll see his log. Okay. But, but I, I, I will give a caveat. I would suggest that anyone who wants to hide a cache, go out and find at least 50 caches, maybe a hundred caches before they ever try to hide one. There's, there's many people that think this is, oh, this is great. This is awesome. I, I want to go hide a cache and they want to do that immediately. And they put out caches that, that won't hold up to the weather that turn into basically trash pretty soon. They also haven't figured out that GPS coordinates don't necessarily settle down very quickly. Mm. And there are a lot of good apps out there that get, that will do coordinates averaging for you. So, you know, you kind of basically set your phone down for a minute while it's averaging the coordinates. And, and so you get a much better result, those type of things. Uh, so if you're a new cacher, it's highly advised to go out and find your first hundred caches before you do it. Yeah. And you get an idea of what kind of things make for good hides and what things don't make for good hides. Can't believe it's taken us this long, but I think we need to pivot because you guys have a geocaching podcast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, we let's do. talk yeah. about it. How did that start? What's that community that you've built? Because I'd also love to hear more about how geocachers interact with each other. Um, it's called the Geocaching Podcast. Clever. <laughs> it it was started in two thousand seven. You had not yet cached. I had not yet cached. No. The funny thing about this podcast is I like to equate to Doctor Who, where somebody owns it for a little while and then they pass it along to somebody else and then somebody owns it and then they pass it along. Just like caches. Yeah. I am the third owner of this podcast, I guess, made, uh, producer, I guess, for lack of a better, uh, Chad's, you know, Chad's, I guess, an owner and so is Jesse as well. I produce the show. So I am the third producer. The show was passed to me in 2018 by a guy who ran it for about seven years. 
I've been the producer since I've been a producer, what, four, almost yeah. four years now? Good Lord. Wow. Oh, yeah. I started on the show as just a regular host in 2013. Uh, Chad came along in 2014 as a regular host. And then Jesse came when we rebooted the show in 2018. I brought Jesse in as a call screener because it originally started as a call and, uh, as a call and talk show. Uh, it went and went away from that format because it just technology wasn't there yet. And then when I brought the show back in 2018, I, th- I thought the technology was there. And so I tried it and it worked. And we have Jesse, Jesse He's a call screener, so we have a we have a weekly live show every Wednesday night at eight thirty eight thirty Central. Wow! And it's a live show. Uh, it streams across all of social media. It streams across Facebook, Twitter. Uh, YouTube, our website, it streams live and we take live calls. Somebody calls into the show, they talk to Jesse first and then I bring them in. That's a really nice system. So uh, yeah, it's a live, it's a live talk show every Wednesday night about geocaching, about different topics about geocaching. That is wild. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. How has it helped you connect with other cachers and learn more about the craft? Caching in general is is a community. So here's a funny story. When I first started caching, I didn't know anyone. It was me. It was something that I was doing with my son who was like four at the time. And just for fun, like occasionally on the weekend or if we were out of town. And then I met Scott. And I actually met Scott at a cache. So we got together, we started dating and he was like, I'm going to take you to this event. And I went, an event? What's that? And he's like, oh yeah, it's a whole bunch of cashers. We all get together. And I went, wait, like, you mean you guys all know each other? I I had no idea. It was so foreign to me. (laughs) And so he took me to this event and there were, oh my gosh, hundreds of people at this event. It was huge. And I met all of these people and they would introduce themselves as their caching name. That's the funny thing is, you know, people as their caching name, they're people, I don't even know what their real name is. So I, I, you know, I got to meet all these people. And so now like on the podcast, it's just like growing that community. You get to know all these people. We know people from around the world who listen to the show, you know, they reach out to us and email us. I'm sure that you understand how that works. And then we'll go to events and people know us. It's just wild to know. You just get to know everybody. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of our uh, listeners listen to the show on on podcasts or downloads only. They don't uh, watch it live or, or watch the videos. And so, you know, I'll have people coming up to me during mega events. It's like I know that voice. Yeah, you're Taz. Yeah, and they know Scott's <laughs> laugh. They know my laugh. Oh, <laughs> that's so cute. I saw a recent episode about scuba diving. Let's talk about it. Can I go scuba caching? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Can you? Sure, you could. Yeah, if you like. Like, yes. how does that? How does that work? Oh, you get Patty certified, and then you go find a scuba cache. Well, there, there are caches <laughs> in the ocean. Yeah. The individual that was on our show actually has one location where he has a cache. I think he said he had one hidden at 80 feet, <gasps> 100 feet, and 120 feet, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, my gosh. So, so for different different levels of difficulty there. How do, you, how do you all make sure that these are environmentally friendly? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. <laughs> Well, as I understand it, there's a lot of like things that go into creating more intense caches, right? They have to be weather resistant and all kinds of things. Yeah, you learn. I mean, obviously Mm. in Chicago, we have winter. Ew. I don't miss it at all. Don't care for it. <laughs> Depending on you know, a cheap plastic is not going to survive a Chicago winter. Just like Chad lived many years in Texas and cheap plastic will mm-hmm. melt in Texas. So you learn to continue. Right. Under the ocean, you have to make sure that an animal isn't going to eat it. His are actually in pelican uh, uh, cases, and then it has a um, you know the clear Lexan boards, and then he has grease markers inside. Wow, 
So you can open it up and you use a grease marker to sign your name on the on the ledger and then you close things back up. Uh, and I would say pretty much any scuba cache that gets put out there is going to be environmentally friendly. What might not be so environmentally friendly are new cachers are coming along who, who are putting out their cheap plastic uh, lunch meat containers, uh, which I've seen. Uh, and and as anyone who's cached knows, they won't last a year. You know, they're lucky mm-hmm. to last a few months noobs <laughs> right we're, we're talking about the safety of the of the cash and of the environment but like has anyone like whoopsie slipped into the grand canyon while looking for a cash and died yes people oh people have died oh yes people have died. Uh, I, i'm not certain about the grand canyon specifically but yes there are there uh-huh. have been falls off of mountainsides and Oof. bridges and and other things you know it's funny you talk about this this Hedging back to the famous people who who geocache, you know, there's the Mars rover that just went up is trackable. There is a there is a geocaching trackable code <laughs> on that rover because the guy who made it is a geocache and he put a trackable code on there. Perseverance. <laughs> yeah. There's also a geocache on the International Space Station. If you're a cacher and you go there, you can log that cache. I don't think anyone's ever logged it because whoever goes up there has not been a cacher yet. Wow. So we're saying one day Elon Musk will find the geocoin on yeah. Mars and will the circle <laughs> will be complete. I think. It's going to be Richard Branson. Right. Okay. <laughs> it is trackable, which is kind of funny. And we've all gotten it because I guess at some point the camera on the rover on, on Perseverance caught it, oh. caught, caught the trackable number. And we all saw it. We were able to actually, uh, <gasps> we were actually able to log That's it. That's so fun. Yeah. I can only imagine that since we've established that everywhere that people have and can go, there will be a cache. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure they're on Everest and the pyramids. I'm, they're everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Oh, they are. Yeah. Eiffel Tower everywhere. Yes. Amazing. Everywhere. With such a, an established yeah. community and a long running situation, like I'm sure there have got to be some scandals beyond people have died doing this because people die climbing up Everest. So obviously if there's a cache on Everest, it's not like everybody can do it. But what are the like major scandals that geocaching has had to overcome? Uh, uh, bomb scares mostly. <gasps> Back in the early days, people would see somebody placing something somewhere and then walk away, you know, slinkly, you know, uh, and, <laughs> and people would call the cops and, the, and, and not knowing what it was, the bomb squad would come and they would right. blow up the cache. Oh. Oh my! What up? And that happened many, 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 many. I'm just keep saying it. Many, many, many times. Yeah, because yeah. caching started literally a year before 9/11. Uh. It got to the point where geocaching would literally give police stations a free account. So when when they got a bomb scare, they would go to geocaching.com and make sure it was a cache or not. <gasps> wow. So if you're a police station, you could get a free account, a free uh, premium geocaching. Okay, now we've just given a really good hint <laughs> to the terrorists. <laughs> Who all listen to this? Yeah, yeah, a lot of, a lot of terrorists. A funny story. I was in the city of Chicago in 2011. I was hunting at night in Chicago. I was by the Chicago River and I was coming up a little hill. And next thing I know, there was a gun in my face of a police officer saying, do not move. And I, I, don't, wow. know if, I don't know if any of you have ever stared down the barrel of a gun, but it's not a pretty... No, thank you. It's not fun. Yeah, it's as scary as you thought it would be. And you are the most like white dad looking person ever. Yeah, I am <laughs> shocked. And he, he thought I was a drug mule is what he thought I was. He thought I was a drug oh, mule. Oh my God. Yeah. And he's like, and he literally said to me, he said, where's the puppy shit? I said, <gasps> well, excuse me? He goes, where's the puppy shit? 
I go, I don't know what puppy shit is. He goes, come on, man, where's the puppy shit? And I don't know if you guys know what puppy shit is. That That's the slang for heroin, a black tar heroin. I was about mm, to nice. say, not know that. I don't know, sir. I don't have a dog. Well, luckily yeah. for me, yeah. lucky for me, I had a friend who was a Chicago cop who was a geocacher. And I'm like, look, officer, I, I, I'm, I'm going to stick my hand in my pocket and I'm going to pull out my wallet and I'm going to get a number out of that wallet. And I want you to call that number. He said to me, if you ever get in trouble in Chicago, Here's my card. Give it to the cop. Wow. And I just, for some reason, <laughs> I had it in my wallet. Great. And I'm like, I'm reaching in my wallet and I'm going to get a number. And I'm and, and just so you know exactly what I'm doing. And so I reached in my wallet and I got the number and they called my buddy and my buddy explained what we were doing. He's like, he's like, no, he's like, I'm a cop. They're just geocaching. That's all they're doing. And yeah, but it took a long time to convince them that I was not a drug mule. Wow. Also, when their guns pointed at you, any amount yeah. of time feels like a long time, yeah, right? The one and only time a gun was literally ever pointed at my head. Yeah. I have never had a gun pointed at me besides laser tag and paintball. <laughs> and I hope to never, ever, ever have a gun pointed at me besides laser tag and paintball. And J Jesse and I cached uh, for years, we night cached, which is just caching literally at night. And because you're caching at night, you have a flashlight. And when people see people waving a flashlight around, they get curious. And what do they do? They call the police. Yeah. So Jesse and I uh, have many, have run into many police officers over the years. You all on a first name basis yet? Ah, the yeah. It doesn't happen much anymore because now people know what geocaching is. It's, you know, uh, it's it's become more mainstream. Yeah, I still don't think of it as mainstream. And more importantly, yeah, police officers know what it is and okay. bomb squads know what it is. So You don't hear of too many bomb squads. Yeah, you don't hear you don't hear geocaches get getting blown up anymore. It, it, it's a rare occurrence now. Right. Well, Allie, we will not be night caching. As a black person, <laughs> this will not be something I partake in. You know, there is actually, there's actually a, 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 a blog, a, a Geocaching blogger. About Black. Yeah, geocachingaboutblack.com, I think it oh. was. Yikes and a half. I bet there's so many horror stories there. <laughs> yeah, about a guy who who is who is African-American and he geocaches and how much harder it is for him yeah. to do it. because. You can't be like, you know, you, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a white male, be kind of, you know, just standing around and nobody thinks twice about Getting it. Getting weird in people's yards. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. it is, it look, does look weird to people. What I've learned is most people don't really pay attention to you mm -hmm. when you're doing something because you're trying to be kind of sneaky about it, you know, because you don't want people seeing what you're doing because then they're going to take it and throw it away or call, mm. the, or call the police. You try and be kind of sneaky about it. Or more importantly, you act like you know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> it is like you're, you know, you, you're doing something important here as opposed to trying to find a freaking cash. I know people who yeah. like put on construction vests and carry a, a clipboard. clipboard. Yep. <gasps> ah. That will get you this, in anyway. I love that. Allie, this is how we will be dressing when we go. <laughs> I mean, I think we should dress like that because it'd be fun. And also, it seems extremely safe. I'm very into that. Yeah. I, yeah. I like to wear costumes. Yeah. yeah. It, got a, it got a big jump last year with COVID. A lot of people because I was just thinking this yeah. would have been great to cover uh, one year ago and I could see me getting really into it. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, it, it, we got we call them COVID cashers because it, it's <laughs> because people had nothing to do, you know, and, and we're allowed to go outside and go into the woods. I mean, Jesse and I would go into the forest preserves and it would be packed with people. Wow. You know, what used to be empty, you know, packed with people. I never, never saw as many people out on the hiking trails and stuff. <laughs> as, as I, did, uh, yeah. I feel like 
like you guys have so much lingo, like way too much, but also not enough because cash rhymes <laughs> with everything. You know what I mean? Like if you do a geocache in the woods and you stumble upon some poison ivy. Is there such a thing as a cash crash? Cash rash. There's a cash rash. Yeah. No, cash rash. <laughs> oh, cash rash. Cash rash. <laughs> rash. If you're geocaching no. and you stumble upon poison ivy, it's a cash rash. No, they put P.I. in there. I read that on Jesse's site. P.I. is poison ivy and poison oak. P.I.P.O. No, no. You need to call it a cash rash. Let's be serious. From now on, it will be called cash rash. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. You know, if you have to do one and there's like a time limit, it's a cash dash. If you are trying to race your friends, like you both are like, we're going to try to find this cash today and whoever gets it first, or if whoever gets there first, they cash crashed. They cash crashed. They crashed your cash mm-hmm. and they got it mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is there is a bunch of lingo. There's a ton of lingo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think the underwater one should be a splash cash. Oh, very good. <laughs> Just having fun with rhymes, you know? Just that's what's happening over here. Hashtag splash cash rash cash stash. All right, sit down, Matthew. Wow, wow. We're going to make a cash dash. We got to get out of here. So thank you so much. This has been delightful. I knew that it was, you know, kind of like a scavenger hunt, but um, I'm surprised by all the uh, twists and turns we took. And I'm excited to like try to do one where there's very much like a thoughtful interaction at the end. We are doing it together. (laughs) At the end of the discovery. Like the next time I go on vacation, I'm definitely going to look for a cache that has an experience affiliated with it. Lindsay, you and I have plans to see a show on Friday, but we're on the wait list. So if we don't get in, let's just open up our phones and start caching. Do it. Try it. (laughs) Our friends who are meeting us for the show will be like, what? But we'll be like, yeah. I feel like one of them. One's going to be into it and the other one's going to be like, no, yeah. I'm not going na- to name names right now, but that's what I think is going to happen. People are going to be like, why the hell would you do that? Or they'd be like, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. All right. Yeah. <laughs> the thing about it is that there's no set way. You know, you go to, you go to an event and there's fat people, thin people, white guys, black guys, Asians. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have a color or a race or anything. It's just, you either get it or you don't. And it's mm. just, I, get, I think it's just a personality. I, I've, I've gone to events where I see a brain surgeon talking to a garbage man, you know, and they're, and they're Sorry. having a great time together and they go out cashing together. You know, it just, because like, it's just, they get it. And, and it's one thing they have, this thing they have in common. It, it, you know, it's, it's a really cool thing. Yeah. It's a great equalizer. You know, my, me and my wife love to cash, you know, it's just one of those things. Try it. You may love it and you, you may not. And that's okay. I love that. Well, thank you so much for enlightening us and our listeners. Yeah. yeah thank you for having us. We can't wait to pursue our cash passion. <laughs> <laughs> you reached on that one. <laughs> This is possibly the most wholesome interview I've done with you so far. I like that you were the one that made it dirty. There was that moment it was dirty and you it was you. Just for the record. I just (laughs) wanted you to feel, you know, at home. Thank you. You know, on your own podcast. I I I maybe it's just me, but I feel like the word geocaching is a little off-putting. Like I thought, oh, this must be more complicated than it is, or because I'd known about it for a while, and several listeners have mentioned it. I think it used to be 
very difficult. I guess. <laughs> for I like, feel like they the could just call half. it scavenger hunt. Or like, mm, I don't know. No. Allie's working on a lot but, of branding here. She's going to yeah, reinvent the brand. She's going to make it blow it. it out of the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it, but anyway, I, I, wanna, I genuinely want to go do it with you. I do too. And we will. And we will tell you about it in the Discord. We will upload photos of us geocaching together in the Discord. That's discord.gg slash 2G1P. We might also put a picture of us geocaching up on the Patreon for our Patreon contributors. Oh, shit. Patreon.com slash 2G1P. And if there's anything else that you want to hear us talk about, you can call us and talk to us on this number. 347-871-6548. That number again. 347-871-6548. Bum, bum, bum. You can also email us, and that email is 2G1podcast at gmail.com. And across all platforms, I am at Allie underscore Goldie. And I am the Lindsay Life, except my geocaching name is my Lindsay Life because the Lindsay <laughs> Life was taken. That bitch. Actually, I just I just created a geocache name and it's at Allie underscore Goldie. So I got it there. I think on Reddit, Ooh. I'm something different. I'm not sure. But um, let's find that bitch. <laughs> There's some geocacher out there living that Lindsay Life. There's also a knitter who has the website, The Lindsay Life, and she wanted to get my socials and buy them from me. And I said, nope. Well, For I mean, how much? <laughs> yeah, what are we talking Man. about? A knitter? What, she was probably going to pay me $100. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, she could be a trust funder knitter. Trust funders, yeah, you know what I mean? They, she's fucking you knitting. Like, come on. Well, you know? I'm waiting for her to judgment. give up the ghost, and I'm going to take that website <laughs> and get all those knitter <laughs> followers. <laughs> Great. Well, you heard it here. Um, anyway, we're excited to geocache. Uh, let us know if you've been caching, and we'll see you out there. Bye. If you've got a passion for caching, let us know. <laughs> That's the one. That's the one. Two Girls, One Podcast is hosted by Allison Goldberg and Lindsay Ford. Then hidden in a Tupperware behind the Walmart off of Route 9. I mean produced and edited by Matt Silverman in New York City. Additional editing by Avital Ayler. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.